And welcome to episode 373 of the Siren Studs podcast. I am Kurt, joined once again this week by my oceanic co-host, Peter. Yep. Uh, we are here with literally an edition of the cast. Correct. Correct. <laughs> um, it, this is literally the correct way to use it. Um, it's just <laughs> us today. Um, Jake had to... He went on a voyage with uh, our producer, Brad Grammer. <laughs> They've gone down to investigate uh, some sunken ruins in Brad's new, I feel like that's new submersible Dante's investment. <laughs> Brad Graver's been dead for years. <laughs> who took him here? down? <laughs> uh, he's the one who produced the what we're reviewing this week. We're staying up here and, and watching uh, Titanic 2 or uh, Tutanic. They weren't smart Tutanic. enough to make that joke. So what's what's interesting is um, when I was searching for Titanic two, um, I'll, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit here. It came down to two movies. We wanted to watch something Titanic related because of the whole Titan submersible thing, right. um, and we narrowed our choices down to either the Asylum's Titanic two, or Titanic, the Third Reich produced nineteen forty three Nazi propaganda movie, which was also available to stream on Plex. <laughs> Yes, that was that was just there. It was open to everyone. I don't. We didn't watch it. Partially, a big reason besides the whole Nazi propaganda thing, because it was also very likely in German, and um, I don't yeah, want to play subtitles are a thing. With, and with another um, language. Yeah. Um, well, not only that. So, like. This wasn't a movie we were going to be watching as intently as we normally watch stuff. Yeah. Um, so, this, as having something in English where I could, like, kind of half watch it, like, still take in all the movie, but, like, not have to, like, have my eyes on the screen reading subtitles the whole time was was a boon yes. for me. Uh, but anyway, we will we will discuss that later in the show. And now for something completely unexpected getting into our segment Trey Watch within the first three minutes of the show. We are much like much like the people who uh, made Titanic 2. We are on a, a time budget. We are on a tight schedule and a tighter budget. We got to pick up all these shots while we're hanging out in this hotel hallway before security gets wise to what we're doing and kicks us out. We'll, we'll be sure to credit them as long. In case we get caught, we'll throw it in the credits. That was, we totally got permits, guys, to film at this hospital. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're filming in the middle of the desert. No, we'll save that one. There's a lot of value meal movies. Um, we will start this off with Retribution. Yeah. Um, if you had pressed me on it, I would have said that a Liam Neeson movie titled Retribution came out like three years ago. Right? There, there's too many movies with that kind of name and already too many movies about Liam Neeson as a dad getting revenge or having to protect his kids. Yeah, so you remember that scene in Lethal Weapon 2 
where Danny Glover sits on the toilet and there's a bomb under the toilet. Um, it's that, but in a car for 90 minutes. And there's a lot of other bombs. And just, I, I got to a point in the trailer where I was fucking laughing because just like every interaction he has with anyone else in this movie, whatever they're in blows up. Yeah. If this was if the if the bad guy had cocaine instead of bombs, this would have been um, Ninja Operation One. Pretty much, like this is fucking. I I I almost believe that this is parody because it, it's just it's so ridiculous and so over the top. Um, yeah, but I feel like it is kind of taking itself very seriously. I, I feel, yeah, I, I'm a little upset um, because this is, there's a chance that this will be in the box office at the same time as Sympathy for the Devil, and everyone is going to go to watch this so they can turn their brains off, and then we will, another uh, outlandish, out there Nick Cage performance will just kind of fade into the background. Part of me feels like Lionsgate wouldn't release them right on top oh, of each other. Both Lionsgate. So that's August 25th for Retribution. Sympathy. Sympathy for the Devil. Nick Cage release date. July 28th. So there's going to be about a month space between these two. Yeah. Okay. I'll let you just keep up. Oh, actually, you know what? It's not Lionsgate. RLJE Films is distributing Sympathy of the Devil. Okay. Which, much like Titanic 2, clocks in at exactly 90 minutes. <laughs> it's it's a good formula for a, a B-minus kind of a movie, where um, if you're middle to lower on your, on your movie production schedule, and you're not... You're, you're just in the range where you're, uh, it's a real investment to splurge for a big actor, right? To cover <laughs> to kind of cover over a lot of other issues with your movie. Nick Cage is the one you get. Like when it's lower down, you know, a couple years ago, right? You'd get Bruce Willis when he was fin- you know, he was getting all that, he was taking all those jobs. I mean, Nick Cage was in that same boat for a long time. There are a lot of like straight to red box movies. <laughs> Starring Nick Cage, or you know, <laughs> and John Travolta is also for hire in that sphere. You know, Harrison Ford in the early two thousands, mid two thousands. I mean, like Hollywood homicides. The only thing I can think of that was kind of like a a low budget thrown together movie that Harrison Ford was in. I was thinking, what was the one that was like um, Firewall? Was that the one I was thinking of? But you know the type of movie that we're talking about, where you you get your feature actor as the as the selling point to help cover up the other parts of your movie, and this almost feels like that, maybe a little bigger. Uh, yes, that he was in a movie in two thousand six called Firewall. Why do I remember that? But it. Uh... Well, it didn't review super well, but I think it was a studio release. Yeah. Why did they lock all this information behind IMDb Pro? Fuck you, Amazon. Fuck you, Jeffrey Bezos. 
Jabez. Jabez? Um, Director. I don't think we ever mentioned that the fight that never was to be um, between Musk and... Oh, no, we talked about it. Uh, we didn't mention yeah. that uh, of all the excuses that were going to come out, because we knew it was never going to happen. There's just too much mo- money involved. <laughs> too much ego involved, especially on Musk's side. Of all, which is weird, considering that the excuse he pulled out at the end was, uh, my mom called in and said, you can't do the fight. Yeah, it's funny. Like, right before that, they were offered up the Roman Coliseum as a venue for the fight. Which, I mean, <laughs> which sure. I, I would have paid the $100 pay-per-view to see Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg fight in the fucking Roman Coliseum. Yeah. It, Just because that is that is the most 2023 20, sentence imaginable. It was either that, uh, the top of the Burj Khalifa, or Joe Rogan's Fight Island. Those are the only venues that would be acceptable. Maybe Madison Square Garden. Maybe. Maybe, perhaps. Um, yeah, so, yeah, this movie, <laughs> Liam Neeson, he... I feel like he, I think he gets out of the car at one point. Yeah. The, 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 he may or may not be out of the car. Well, obviously the, at some the point they're going to have to take him. the action out of the car. I, I don't know. They're, I'm sure they'll, they'll, the writers have a reason why he can't just be like, here, can you take, you know, take me into jail, protective custody because I'm still in fear for my life from someone who's trying to frame me. I don't know how that works, but that seems to me like something that, at least would be on the table when you have a guy yeah. who's your suspect clearly saying it's not me i'm also fearing for my life from someone else who was doing these bombings and they say guys say okay well if you come with us we'll we'll put you in a box <laughs> and we'll uh we'll figure this whole thing out i don't know and i don't really care to yeah. find out i'm not going to watch um, this movie probably probably going to skip this one as well um, although I, I, I feel like I will at least follow up on it at some point because it has the potential to be like a ridiculously entertaining schlock fest just cause like there's, there's this scene where a guy's like leaning out of his car screaming before the bomb explodes and he looks just fucking ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Here, pull up, <laughs> pull up and, and, and the scene where you pull up and just shoot this guy in the face. Um, yeah, all right, so <laughs> quick thing before we move on to our next trailer, just we got to talk about the remaining namespace for these movies because there's been, you know, we've had Retribution. There's probably been a movie called Payback. There was that um, TJ, BJ Novak movie Revenge. You know, or Vengeance. Yes, Vengeance. There, there's there is a movie called Revenge. It's probably more than one. Yes. Yeah, so um, <laughs> we're gonna run through all the rest of the synonyms. We're gonna see which ones are are available for the next Lea, the next uh, Liam Neeson, uh, get back at you movie. Uh, we got comeuppance, compensation. Uh, that'd be a good one. I would love comeuppance. Comeuppance. Comeuppance opens the summer. I want Liam Neeson in a Muppets action comedy parody called Comeuppance. <laughs> and they, I feel like comeuppance could have been like a. Uh... You have to save Kermit. From the from being Muppet kidnapped, um, punishment, reckoning, redress. There you go, 
Reprisal, Retaliation. Reckoning's definitely a movie title as well, as is Retaliation. Counter, um, Counter Blow? Repri- that's, a, that's a different kind of movie. Uh, that's gotta be a movie. <laughs> Justice, Recompense, Repayment, Requittal, Reward. Okay, yeah, now a it's good getting one. a little weaker. Satisfaction, Aven- Avengement. That one. That one's still available. Hollywood? Avengement needs to happen. That We will write the script. We we'll scab the writer's strike. <laughs> um, what for? What for? These are the these are the the bottom end of the relevant uh, synonyms. What for? And finally, this one's the one that will probably, in all honesty, I'm putting the high school award of most likely to actually be the name of a movie. Uh, revanche, revanche. <laughs> That's for your artsy like action movie or your little higher concept. So be on the lookout for Revanche, Revanche, 2025, starring, I don't know, Tom Holland, maybe? Probably Liam Neeson, if we're being honest with ourselves. He's back at it again, Um, because he's he's staying in his box, his bird box, Barcelona, trailer number number one, not the teaser. Yeah, we we have the teaser, it's trailer... It looks like the exact same shit. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it feels at least with the the concept that they're trying to do a similar thing to um, uh, Purge, where there is like a good concept underneath a pretty a pretty mediocre movie, and they're trying to at least develop a little bit of the lore around it and and yeah. explore some other concepts. Um, I think the purge had a better, definitely had a better concept to start with. Um, but this is going the, the other classic horror movie angle of, uh, what if there are cultists who want the bad thing to happen? Yeah. It's just pretty standard, like throw it in after the horror. So you get to have uh, more horror henchmen. Um, yeah, good. I think they, they knew that the, fun scenes that people would want to go see is like the mass suicides in the cities and all the creative things you do with that. They didn't, people weren't yes, there to fun. see, um, what's her name walking around in the woods with a blindfold on Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's some good scenes like the one guy is trying to get off the subway and there's the whole crowd who's been, uh, affected. They've been brainwashed. They're all trying to jump onto the tracks and he's trying to press against the tide. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I mean, I'm still not. If you liked, uh, if you were part of the first Bird Box wave, I guess you'll you'll be anticipating this. Maybe this will be nostalgic in in some way. Pretty. I don't know. That's been long enough. Um. Yeah. I don't know the the whole. I think the whole like. It's 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 derivative not just of Bird Box but of like the happening. I don't know if you remember that terrible M Night Shyamalan movie. Yes, I do. Um, I remember being a kid and thinking it was actually scary because I had no, I had no tolerance for horror. Yeah, like it just when when you're so creatively bankrupt that you are stooping to ripping off bad movies <laughs> for their concepts 
I think you've hit you've hit quite the low. Yeah. Um. Bu- 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 oh, speaking of just low, the modelizer. Yeah, that's that's where I was is... was going as well. We'll just knock out this one because this is of uh, very little substance. It's you know a. I, I don't fucking... know. I like. I don't know what it is. Like, oh, lady goes to uh, Hong Kong, um, and there's a rich Hong Kong dude who has lots of trophy wives, and also does a little bit of crimes, and like maybe she's the one who turns his life, or you know, she she can fix him. Well, I think so. From the synopsis, um, it makes it seem as though like. He, she plays hard to get or, like, isn't really interested in, like, being like all the other girls. Right. And so he's like, I got to figure this one out. And it leads him maybe on a journey south. I don't know. I, I don't, frankly, a, I don't care. It's a, it's a pretty <laughs> bog-standard uh, romance kind of vibe with the backdrop of very fancy uh, Hong Kong. Uh, high society yeah. type stuff. It it feels like this is like a uh, a movie put out there by the uh, Hong Kong Tourism Board. <laughs> that really, that I I have no doubt that this was um, they they paid a lot. They got some money in in, yeah. in there, yeah. Because um, as as we learned in this trailer. One in seven people in Hong Kong is a millionaire. Don't you know? You, you see, you just roll those dice. You walk, you walk in. You roll those dice. Are you a millionaire yet? No. You walk back out. You walk back in. <laughs> you do it a couple times. You're set. Um, yeah. I'm trying to. What is it? Who was the? Uh... You know, it doesn't matter. I don't really care. I was gonna ask who was the producer. What was the studio? Spending too much time on this is uh, really I've, cutting out finite minutes I have in my life. It's driving you wild. Yes. <laughs> Dreaming wild. Dreaming wild. Um, this, this looks more promising. Yeah, this is kind of an evolution of the concept of, you know, over-the-hill musician gets, like, another lease on life sort of deal like crazy hearts a movie i always think of in this genre mm-hmm. um but this is kind of a different spin on it that i'm probably has been done but i can't recall a movie where it was done where they had a band um the main characters yep. and, they and an in 1979 they put out an album and some 20 30 years later uh catches fire Yep, which I guess, and, I, and this, see, this is one of those based on a true story, but it seems a little more down to earth. It's not about the fantastical story of uh, this thing that happened, which is how a lot of these movies and adaptations take things. Like Flaming Hot. Yes, exactly. Uh, this is going in the tonally opposite direction, which I think makes, makes it better because um, you're not... The, the uh, what do you call it? the embellishments are not as by by design would not be as obvious. 
right? So it yeah. tells a very much more human story, which makes sense because uh, human, we are true stories. Human, humans are true, true stories. That's a, I don't know where I was going with that. But anyways. Life is sometimes stranger than fiction. Exactly. Um, I, I think this, this looks nice. It's very, it seems very well considered. It's got, it's got Bo Bridges. I like me some Bo Bridges. Casey Affleck Casey looks Affleck. like he's gonna bring bring his best. It's got it's um, got Zoe Deschanel in here playing. Yeah. I would hope a more um, pull tone tone down pullback role than she usually does. I'm sure she's uh, looking to get a little range in here. Well, I'm sure she'll still be quirky girl. Very well, could be. Um, yeah, I, Donnie and Joe, I've never listened to Dreaming Wilds, um, or I'm not really familiar at all with any of the music of Donnie and Joe Emerson, but they are, it's, it's real. You can go listen to it now. Um, yeah. and it's a, it's a much, I think much more interesting to me story than something like Rocket Man or, um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Where it's like the people there, like they live these huge larger than life stories, but they're stories that also get told in like entertainment magazines and tabloids. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, kind of but the idea of There's stuff you don't really see. But yeah, okay. Excuse me. Get where you're going. Um, I guess we'll we'll finish these out and. An order of intrigue to me personally. Yep. So I guess that means starting with Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, yep. Still don't Freddy. really get how you're stretching Freddy is the, 90 minutes out of this. It's the story of Freddy Fazbear, who is a fast bear. Um, and he has to get home in five nights. And Fuzzy Wuzzy had no hair. He takes a road trip across America with, uh, with his friends. And... They uh, they make a movie about it. It's all on these monitors that you can watch. Yeah. Um, This is... It really sucks for Blumhouse. I wish you just... It just... It sucks. (laughs) I don't feel that strongly about it. There will be movies where I just leave it at that. Um, It sucks for Blumhouse that Willy's Wonderland beat them to the punch by, like, two years. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I look at this movie, all I see is a less fun, less entertaining Willy's Wonderland. Yeah, where they, they got to play it straight. Um, thankfully, this is definitely not for us. Um, Blumhouse is, is levying their incredible expertise at making not too scary horror movies to make yeah. uh this is this is one for the kids i guess they're probably teens now i think at this point because five minutes of phrase has been going on for probably a decade at this point oh uh, yeah um just about so these these are pre-teens early teens who i you know into like i guess the i would say Probably the fifteen to eighteen year old crowd. No, little little kids do. weren't 
like what are you pre-teens and teens little kids weren't playing five nights at freddy's like when they were four but they were watching like (laughs) that's what i'm saying like so eight-year-olds ten-year-olds who would be watching who would have watched like markiplier play it yeah now they're like old enough to see an r-rated horror movie i wonder that there was no no rated you know what like a mid-teen they're there they can see like a full-fledged horror movie yeah, um, it doesn't show a rating uh, on here, so I wonder if they are going to go go full rated R with it. Which um, CG do. looks the trailer does not give a good impression of that. Yeah the the CG looks really bad. Um, yeah, this I feel like this is going to be like Boogeyman level of mm-hmm. violence. I mean, I, I uh, part of me hopes that it just is a just a spoopy movie. And that it is, regardless of who actually was interested in that IP when it was in its heyday, um, regardless, um, that it's marketed towards a younger audience. Yeah. Um, let it be the, interesting be the to scary see. mascot scaring the kids. And they go, ooh. And the kids go, coming, oh. Coming out. October 27th, so on Halloween. Uh, you're not going to have to pay to see it, uh, or not have to pay much to see it, because it, it will be uh, on Peacock concurrent with mm-hmm. its theatrical release. So yep. uh, That's probably a good spot for yeah, it. Go watch it. You see, you don't have to drive anywhere to see it, um, Like unlike the characters in... The Coen Brothers' new movie, Drive Away Dolls. I think it's just Ethan. See, I don't think... Yeah, it's just Ethan. Um, Ethan and... Um, there's another person who wrote it. Um, Let's see. It just puts him on the... Uh, in the description credits here, but... Yeah, it's him and, right, and someone on. else. Yeah. Um... It looks good. It looks very Coen Brothers. Um, new. Oh, Trisha Cook. New, right. New kind of stable of actors. Um, I think the girl from Booksmart has grown up and graduated into this that movie. That's right. Um, it looks it looks interesting. Yeah, like it's it's a good concept. Um, you have these two. <laughs> Uh, down on their luck lesbians going down to Tennessee taking a <laughs> rental car or something like that or like a crappy used car and they find that they have some uh, they got the package <laughs> they have the they have the briefcase yeah. from Pulp Fiction yeah um, I was about to make that very same comparison they, I mean, it's, they, they do, shoot they around it, it the same very... way where it's like it doesn't even matter what's in the case yeah and you uh you never get to see what is in the case, so like definitely inspire there. It's 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 a blending of a lot of things that you're you're used to have a Coen Brothers movie. Um, it's about crime. There's there's kind of a, a silliness to it, or it doesn't take itself super seriously. Yeah, like I'm, I have I have seen very little from either of the Coen Brothers that I haven't at least enjoyed a little bit. And I'm sure this will be no different. So um, count me as excited for this. Uh, coming out September 22nd. 
So um, you get what what a year you get to go see Asteroid City, you get to see your new Wes Anderson movie, and then the same year you get a new Coen Brothers movie or or a Coen brother at least. Tiny cinemas. Yeah, we got good. we got one Coen brother. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then our, our final one, our, this little art house movie, uh, Dune Part Two. Very avant. Yeah, I don't think this one's gonna make uh, parts. Don't think it's gonna make a ton of money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it'll be in the top ten. <laughs> see, I'll see. I need to be the one saying that, so it'll it'll fucking rocket. Um, but no, no, Dune Two is gonna be it's gonna be wild. Uh, we're seeing, like, I don't, there's not too much more in this that, uh, of, like, Yeah, I don't feel like there was a substance. lot, you, you saw more of Josh Brolin's character being back in there. Yeah, they spoiled the, they spoiled his return, because I think that was supposed to be, like, a twit. Like, if you didn't see or read the books before, like, that was a surprise that he comes back. Like, you thought that Duncan Idaho was <laughs> fucked. In the attack. Well, he's not Duncan Idaho, I don't think. Oh, Gur- is he, he? Yeah, he's Patrick Stewart's yeah, yeah. character. Gurney, Gurney Halleck. Um, but yeah, no, they're. I mean, I've. These are reminiscent of of scenes, uh, things I've seen in the last half hour of uh, Dune, the eighties Dune. Yeah, um, there. I I'm glad that they're they've done this in two parts, so they have time to like tell the story a little bit more uh uh fully you know give the give the breath it needs yep and um, um and this looks fine we get to see i walking as the emperor he's looking we do he's get good get a nice look there um the harkonnens look look good they definitely look a lot <laughs> look better than, than bald they look better than they did in the david lynch movie that's all i can say yeah um also, fucking uh, Zendaya is getting a lot more like serious movies. Um, so like I generally like have in my head that she's a decent actress, but some of her deliveries in this trailer, yeah, I'm not I'm made not me think otherwise. These lines. Yeah, um, I don't know. I she doesn't have a very mature voice. I guess is the best yeah, way I can put that. It's not. It's a very uh, high energy kind of performance when it, it just doesn't seem to match to me like Timothy Chalamet's acting and um, oh, yeah. it doesn't you can't possibly match Timothy Chamomile in the low energy delivery and um, oh who who's playing the the chief of the the, the Fremen um, he was. Uh, Batiste. This is really bad. This is embarrassing. Um, he was in No Country for Old Men. Javier oh, Bardem. Javier Thank you. Bardem. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So both of you know they're given these, you know, at least in this trailer, there's a lot more, like, um, mattered, pulled back kind of dialogue. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it'll be great. And. You know, I'm, I'm not a huge. IMAX so I can hear the voice that Jake was raving about, because apparently in IMAX and big theaters, when the when that came on, it uh, shook you. Yeah, well, we'll find out, I suppose. Um, yeah, Dune. I actually, have to go to the theater to see it this time. I know. So, 
How depressing. I, have, I mean, actually, have fun with that, life, man. That was a nice. That was a nice little slice of time. It was a good time to be alive, for sure. <laughs> if if for if only for avoiding the the worldwide uh, plague. Yeah, um, a lot of layers to that joke. All right, let's move on now to the follow up, where we follow up on some of these movies that we talk about in Trey Watch. Back at number one for. Weekend 25 of, ooh, we're almost halfway through the year already. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, weekend 25 covering June 23rd through 25th of 2023. Again, as mentioned, back in number one, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, bringing in a cool $19 million, down 29.6%. Nature's healing. and uh, kind of a really pretty weak box office, all things considered. Yeah. Uh, Cross the Spider Verse has bumped its worldwide take to five hundred and seventy one point nine million dollars. So, did a nice job there. A little less money than we were hoping it would make, but still a smashing success. Um, Elemental hangs out uh, with pretty good week over week retention, kind of as we suspected might be the case. Um. 37.7% drop, $18.4 million for Elemental in the second week, bringing its worldwide to $133 million. Not a bad total, uh, irrespective of budget, but the budget for this movie is high, as it is for most Pixar movies. Mm-hmm. And so that's like three straight underperforming movies from Disney's animated divisions I believe there was a, in a row. I don't know if we read a story last week, but I know there was a story that came out recently where they were like, they were losing, like they they were under 90 million or something like that. Yeah. I, I shared a story with uh, Jake and Peter earlier this week about how one insider estimated that Disney has lost $900 million at the box office the past like year or so. Yeah. Because of like Lightyear and uh, Elemental and whatnot bombing so hard. Yeah, it's um, I will say it's a very interesting. It's a uniquely kind of crappy position to be in, in that like when you're playing, it's the economy of scale problem where you are now so big that you just it it's too big to be sustainable. Like you have to make these huge movies, which also incur huge debt. So you have something that makes that can just top that box office or hang out. See, but the two. great, and the 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 kind of like silver lining if you're a Disney stockholder is that you know now you can claim this loss on your taxes moving forward for the next however long and not have to pay any corporate income tax. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, you'll hear these stories where it's like the the business model almost seems predicated on everything, every movie they release being a as huge as something like Infinity War. Well, for a while, it was like that. It seemingly seemingly every movie Disney put out made a billion dollars, and even the flops like Dumbo still made three hundred and seventy million dollars. Mm-hmm. But then COVID happened. And people still haven't really gone back to their old movie viewing habits. Like, I guess some people just realized, hey, I don't need this in my life anymore or what have you. I don't think the general consensus is that there's a lot of health concerns that people are still trying to avoid. But 
um, you know, people... People's patterns in their lives all changed. Change theaters closed, I'm sure. Yep. Um, So now people might have to go further than they're willing to, to go see a movie, where uh, a closer theater to them before it shut down for COVID would have allowed them to go see that movie. So they have to recalibrate their strategy. And (laughs) unfortunately, this is happening in the midst of both a writer's strike and a serious like reexamination of how the economics of streaming can can work. Yeah, I was about to say like Disney has seemed to decide firmly that their streaming platform was not for premier content, um, whether it be uh, series or or movies. Um, it is it is the direct to video equivalent now. Part of me wonders if they're going to try to steer back to that. Um, with the next couple releases for Pixar, because you know, if or any movie that they they're not super confident is going to make a a good return at the box office, if they're going to try to like premiere access, maybe not at thirty dollars, mm-hmm. but maybe at like a twenty dollar thing, like most you know movies that release direct on video demand go for. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's another stepping stone in the figuring out. Um, and I, yeah. I don't know. Cause I was going to say there's, I don't, I haven't heard any new developments with Netflix. Um, Max is max right now. They're currently in their figuring out where they stand period of their new, uh, change up in business. Um, I don't yeah, know. Time and, will tell. And our feature is actually going to be kind of, I want to talk about a little bit of our context of our feature um, in this light because that is part of the reason that this movie, the movie we're talking about today, got made. Well, kind of. So the asylum's whole gimmick, and we'll uh, maybe we'll talk about it now. Maybe we'll talk about it more when we review it. Is that they would try to release a similarly titled movie to a big studio. Uh, project Mm -hmm. to video a couple days before the movie would hit theaters so video stores would order them and then people would be like oh who didn't know any better be like oh oh this is out on video cool i'll I'll go rent this and i guess that they make the movies so cheaply that that (laughs) had allowed them to be profitable it is literally it, you know, in one, it's the, the literal exact opposite of what we were just talking about with Pixar and Disney movies, where their economies are so low <laughs> yeah. that they don't have the budget to make to give it any production value, like the bare minimum of, of production value. But even one edge is enough to send it into being profitable. Yeah, it's just so, so little money. And. You know, they it's the it's that negotiate whatever tendency pulling uh, in different ways on both sides. Yeah, um, the Flash takes it on the chin week over week. I thought that perhaps because of the uh, the fairly positive reception that the movie had received, yeah. uh, that it would do a little better in its second week, but a huge drop off, down seventy two point five percent. Uh, $217.5 million for something that I'm sure at least had a $150 million budget 
and was pretty heavily advertised. Uh, Warner Brothers has lost a lot of money on DC stuff yep. recently, but they kind of have to keep going with it because if they they shut that down, I'm not sure they're how gonna... they kind of sustain their studio for through tentpole releases. Yeah, they're never gonna. If they lose it, they're not gonna bring it back. This has a met. It has a meta score of fifty six right now. That is interesting. Yeah, I was looking at the Rotten Tomatoes. Seems pretty low too, at sixty four percent. But the IMDb user score is seven point two, and everyone that like I've read, like people reviewers that I usually like look to to kind of gauge consensus, mm-hmm. all had favorable things to say about it. Um, so I don't know. I I thought this was. I think it's just trying to fight. It has to fight against the collective like reputation of DC. Maybe it'll take a few more good movies before people are like, oh, okay, maybe DC's back. Because I could see someone being like, oh, no, you got to go Like, if someone like our, our co-worker, the hype beast, was yep. like, oh, man, you got to go see this movie. It's so good, so good. You know, I might be like, uh, sure, 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 it's good. A little skeptical. Um, but, you know, if it ha- kept happening, maybe I'd, then, I'd reconsider. Yeah, we'll so we'll, we'll, there. we'll have to see how, how Blue Beetle does. I mean, it's very, it's a very niche property. It's not going to gonna really sell on the, the marquee value there. So, yeah, I, it's all up to, this is, and this is, um, I think that's James Gunn's, like, not his debut, it, but his first. It's, it's his. I think it's his first wholly his movie, or his first feature, uh, film. Or of yeah, his first his first movie in the the new DC canon that he has built. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's that, and um, in fourth, no hard feelings, dropping uh, week one here. Uh, yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot of positive things about this movie from like bigger media outlets that usually don't have bad things to say about this movie. I've yet to read like a review from a real person about it. Yeah, it just it just seems like a movie that I I wouldn't I I don't know what the appeal is for me as a person. <laughs> well, it's it's a raunchy sort of teen comedy. Like we haven't seen in a while, um, and I guess uh, I read some article about its uh, you know portrayal of of the realities of sex work being a little more nuanced than it had any right to be. Yeah, um, which might be a draw to some people. Um, if it's on streaming and I've heard from enough people that it's good, I'll maybe check it out, but doesn't really pique my interest at this point in time. Exactly. Uh, and, for, and, and for that reason, I'm out. No, it's, um, it's made 21, 22 million domestic and 9 million international worldwide. Yeah. I'd say it's 31 million. Yeah, Respect. I would say probably, uh, I'd say the budget was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of $25 million on this. Or it certainly didn't have to be much bigger than that. Yeah. Um, but we, we'll see how we'll that see how does um, financially. Transformers. 
Rise of the Beasts. Um, Down another. I, I uh, can only assume it's performing to program. Um, this is an this is an automatic uh, remote control movie. Um, you, you it press it made its nut quick, and it goes through its pre-programmed path through the box office. Makes exact, you know, makes a very predictable amount of money, and then you can make the next one. Yeah, it's it, it made its nut quickly, and it's getting out of there. Uh, $347 million worldwide overall, another 11.75 this week. Um, it uh, was briefly preceded by the <laughs> Asylum Picture Transformers rise of, of the something or another, uh, but I saw that they were still doing that shit, and it made me laugh. Uh, Asteroid City is rolling out to a slightly release. wider release. Yeah. Well, it's still li- I think there might be a another wave or two of of openings after this. But uh, it shot up from tenth to sixth with a nine hundred and sixty point nine percent week on week increase, uh, taking itself all the way up to uh, nine million dollars for the week and bringing in the the lead in per theater take actually like the per theater take on this is quite high about 50 uh, 5400 dollars per theater um so the people who wanted to see it they they came out to see it and you know what i know people who like to watch um uh wes anderson films and they are people who do not often watch other movies uh, yeah, Kaylee often, market. my girlfriend often does, uh, well, I'll ask, oh, do you want to go see this movie? A lot of times she'll be like, no, no, not really. Um, but, like, I didn't even mention Asteroid City. There was just a, a commercial for it aired during Dynamite or whatever. And she just, like, unprompted was like, oh, I would totally go see that in theaters, like, right now. And I was like, okay, yeah, I see you're trying to drop a hint. But I don't want to put on pants, so we're not gonna go right now. <laughs> but uh, we will probably go and see this. Um, oh, I absolutely! I, I will. I'll see it at some point. Reviewed a lot of Wes Anderson on this. I think we did. Um, did we do Life Aquatic. No, we didn't. No, do Life Aquatic. Um, you and Jake. I know you guys went to see Isle of Dogs together. Yes, yeah, you know we talked about Isle of Dogs. Yep. Um, the other recent ones I were the French Dispatch, which I watched on my own, um, and then and I've seen one. I've seen a fair number. I've I've seen uh, Royal Tannenbaums. I've seen Life Aquatic. I've seen um, fuck. What's the what hotel? Was the... the hotel. Oh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes, that's oh. the one. Um, so like I'm I'm familiar with his. I've seen Bottle Rocket, uh, which was his first movie. Um, so, so I'm, I'm quite familiar with his work. And I mean, to be fair, is it, it is interesting because it's, he's one of those directors who, um, he makes those, like, it is iconic in its own way where the fact that we had no trouble rattling off a lot of his filmography yeah, uh, is something to be mentioned and noted. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's very good for him. Good for them. Good for him. Um, it's, this is going to be. I would feel like I feel like this is going to be, aside from Spider Verse, this is the biggest success in the box office right now. Um, you know, yeah, I would say so from a like a theatric 
release scope and uh, like budgetary consideration, probably. Yeah. Um, what has it made worldwide? $21 million worldwide so far. Um, and it is playing near us. So it can be. We'll see what's actually like. Because my worry is, my worry is um, that he's he's gone too mainstream at this point. Because one of the big things about this was that there were so many big names on this. And not even from a budgetary point. Because they he's all always had a lot of big names sums. in this movie. A lot I feel like he's always had a lot of big names in his movies. Yeah, no, no, that's that's not what I'm saying. Um, but uh, uh, that was just kind of ancillary too. Um, his later stuff, like the stuff he's been putting out recently, has been more more commercial than his earlier stuff. I don't know. I I feel like I'm gonna see it, and he's gonna be playing. He's gonna be parody, like almost parodying himself. He's going to be playing... I hope he doesn't play too much into the tropes that he's already well-known for. I think that's just his filmmaking style. Like, he's an tour. All his movies kind of have a very similar visual through line, and that's not a knock on him. Most directors are like that, or like a lot of like, well-known directors. Like, you can tell it's a Quentin Tarantino movie very easily just by looking at it same with like a david lynch movie or certainly a wes right. anderson movie i guess what i'm saying well i'm what i'm hoping for is that he doesn't just play the wes anderson hits as it were um I'm hoping i, don't know. I feel like you're worrying about it for silly reasons <laughs> yeah and if it's unfounded awesome then we'll have a great movie with a lot of a uh, lot more you know exploring a lot of different artistic spaces and we'll go for it and I'll enjoy it. Uh, Little Mermaid's still hanging around in week five at seventh place with $8.5 million. So the 10 million total take, at least the domestic. Cool. No, cool 270. Little... I was reading, I was, I was looking at the wrong line. Yeah. I was about to say, I'm looking at a, a clean half bill here. Yeah. yeah that <laughs> that seems more like it. Um, yeah. Um, so that's, that's a probably financial success or at least a break even for, for Disney there. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, probably in the realm of profitability at this point with its $833 million worldwide Just gross. How long it sat there? Yeah, eight weeks brought in the box in, office. For, brought in a good three and a half mil. Yeah. And this wasn't something like Black Panther where that shit was like a cultural force. And that just yeah. stuck there for for months and months. No, this one. Yeah, it was like kind of here. It's been around. It's been hanging around. I mean, it's kind of like it, it performed like a pre-pandemic Marvel slash Disney effort, where like no matter whatever whatever it was, they shot it out on the screen and it made a billion dollars. It seemed like Captain Marvel made a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, that fucking movie. In ninth, down three spots, we have The Blackening, uh, down 49.4% in the second week, uh, $3.045 million. Uh, it's made $13.9 million all domestic so far, and has also sashayed its way into our spotlight this week. We got The Blackening on tap here. Um, it is we've, receiving... We've done our best to avoid the... Uh the more racist reviews 
Yes. In, in memoriam uh, of Jake. Yes, we, we couldn't do them the same justice that he could. Um, but uh, it seems like people's opinions on the blackening are kind of all over the place. It's got an 80%, 86% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, but only an 85% audience score, which is quite low for their uh, cherry-picked reviews there. Uh, 6.5 on IMDb. Uh, the Metacritic is... Um, what are we looking at here? 6.9 uh, Metascore, but a 4.7 User Score. So it seems like it's pretty divided amongst people if they think it's just a... if, if they, I feel like the divide is there's a camp of people that feel that this is a very nuanced satire of, uh, you know, the portrayal of black people in horror movies... Um, that should be commended for for its you know tackling of the subject in a unique way, and then there's a camp that see it as a not so good horror movie with humor that didn't really land for them. Yeah. Um, but we'll see what the real reviewers have to say, as they are always the ones with the definitive judgment. Um. So from have Spot Boy seen, Films, have you ever seen a movie reviewer die in a movie? No. I haven't. They're built different. Do you see that Reddit post from the guy who's like, yeah, I could have probably survived the, the Titan disaster. I'm, I'm that point zero 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 one percent who could have survived. I'm just built different. Let me find that. I assume it was sarcastic. No. I I can't. I I don't think I don't think they work. Um well, anyway, Spotboy Films has more important things to say about the blackening. 10 out of 10. A good time at the movies. Original original idea, short run time. The blackening has an awesome and very likable cast. The idea, while not unique to the Cabin in the Woods type of horror, is unique from having an all-black cast. It fits the best it fits best in the genre of horror comedy. While it doesn't have the best horror elements. You got a clack <laughs> the whole time. All right. Okay. <laughs> best horror elements are the best comedy elements. It just somehow works. Exclamation mark. The cast chemistry is excellent. They work off each other's energy. The film, the film's writing or directing is nothing special. Mind you, this is a 10 of 10 review. But the <laughs> film shines at acting and ensemble working together. There is no one protagonist. It is truly an... Ensemble. <laughs> Is it? They spelled Did they spell it. it wrong? They spelled it wrong. Amazing. It's truly an ensemble piece. Special, special mentions to both Dwayne Perkins and Jermaine Fowler. They are very memorable and fun. I would normally give this movie a seven, adding an eighth star for originality, nine for unique experience, and tenth star for short run time. <laughs> a fun time. Mommy. My man, my man grades on a hell of a curve. <laughs> zero out of zero found that helpful. And I'll just I'll just shoot the the one star review here. Uh, D Z D Z Z Q N. Does does can uh has a one out of ten review of the blackening, much less favorable opinion. Brutal, brutal. It's a try hard that fails miserably. 
it starts and you hope it gets better. Then you talk to yourself off and on and for the whole 90 minutes wondering if you should get up and leave. You don't, but you should. Then it eventually ends and you're like, oh my God, thank you. You slap yourself silly for not leaving, but at least you took a 15-minute bathroom break and you don't have to go after the movie. Trust me when I say this horribly non-informative review is 10 times better than the thing you will watch if you dare put yourself in misery. Anyone who could possibly rank it above a two at best watched it while popping pills. 21 out of 36 found that helpful. God, I want these, re- like, I want these reviewers on all our other movies. Which is funny, because I'm, I'm about to do a review from a recurring reviewer, Feast Mode. Uh, we've seen him on a couple ones. Oh, I, I think I love this guy. I get the, fu- I get the regulars. Um, seven out of ten, so... I did have to voyage a little far, but that's a skill I I have. (laughs) He's looking at other star reviews. Um, 7 out of 10 from Feast Mode. Back in my day, there were these things called comedy movies. (laughs) I went into the blackening without watching any trailers. In a time where comedy movies seemed to be going extinct, I instantly had interest in this new horror comedy. And as someone who grew up on Fresh Prince and Martin... I miss black-themed comedies. The blackening definitely scratches that itch. Early on, I wasn't laughing much, but the farther we got into the movie and story, the more I was laughing. I cracked up numerous times at some really funny jokes, and the entire premise and story is amusing. My one criticism would be that it's a little lacking on the horror side. It's more of a comedy about horror than a horror comedy, I didn't really mind that, but I could have enjoyed it even more if there were stronger horror elements. I had a great time with this movie, and will definitely watch it again. And while comedy movies are still so rare, I'm pretty happy to have two in 2023 that I really enjoyed, along with House Party from earlier this year. <laughs> One viewing early access fan screening, 6-14-2023. 30 out of 41 found that helpful. Sounded like you had some shots fired there. <laughs> I have uh, the the really crappy version of a Galileo thermometer in my room, which is <laughs> to say a closed can of NOS energy. So as as the heat and cold change the air pressure in the room, it will dent and undent uh, once or twice throughout the day. I'll be on my computer. I'll just hear. And I'll know. It's gotten a little warmer out. <laughs> uh, always always enlightening, our chats. I have, All right, there's well, a wonderment beyond this screen. I live, champ, I live a rich inner life. Champ D3 has a review of The Blackening titled Seriously Funny, 10 of 10 stars. I'm not one for horror flicks, but the we can all die first tagline piqued my interest. With a typical thriller slash slasher plotline, the blackening story develops in a refreshing way with just enough twists and turns to keep you on the edge of your seat until the very end. Even as a horror story, the screenplay delivers a bunch of laughs throughout with just enough black references to make you laugh and not come across as corny. <laughs> Cast dynamics were great, 
and each member of the ensemble contributed meaningfully to feel the movie. Antoinette Robertson's performance as Lisa stood out as my favorite. I'm excited to see what role she assumes next. The Blackening is a modern-day cult classic. Zero out of zero found this helpful. <laughs> Both my 10-star reviews were zero out of zero. Amazing. Oh, lordy. Uh, on the other side, we've got Shiggy1 uh, with their 2 out of 10. Uh, replace horror comedy with just horrible. Reading the few reviews, I have to believe that most were bot-generated. Getting shot repeatedly in the shoulder with a crossbow from someone in a mask does not make a movie a horror film. Having a Steve Urkel ripoff does not make a movie a comedy. The horror parody has been done much better by the Scream franchise and by the weigh-ins. This movie movie. needed some good comedy writers with fresh ideas instead of unlikable caricatures that repeatedly dropped the N-word and hurled insults at their quote, best friends. We literally teetered on the edge of falling asleep in the theater. A bad sign for either a comedy or a scary movie. We see a lot of films, and I have serious doubts to reviews that say this is their all-time favorite film. Think about it. Think about it! <laughs> 14 out of 27. Quaaludes! Quaaludes! You think you died and fell asleep in a movie theater? <laughs> and uh, you know what? That's that's where I'm. That's I'm taking that and I'm gonna roll with it right into this last one here from Movie Dad JH. Four out of ten. This film is like a potato salad with raisins. <laughs> Just I saw that and it struck me like my mistress slapping me across my face. Um, <laughs> this movie should have and could have been a more enjoyable experience but the raisins in this potato salad were off-putting and greatly diminished the enjoyment good parentheses potato salad a few is raisins a dog whistle for black people <laughs> I, don't, I don't know <laughs> a few laugh out loud moments Genuine chemistry between the actors, passionate, believable acting, relevant satire, talented cast, a few sprinkles of positive black history. Bad, parentheses, raisins. (laughs) Black characters constantly use the offensive N-word, both with a hard R and a soft A, totally unnecessary and distasteful. Constant reinforcement of negative black stereotypes. Always looking to get high drunk. No vocabulary, but constant profanity. Always loud and combative. Poor judgment in making light of some of the more sensitive racial elements. Although most satire was relevant and funny. I am sure I am not alone in wishing they had not filled this movie with the N-word and made the characters always loud with nasty mouths and trying to get high. (laughs) <laughs> they could have made the black satire work and be funny without those things. Not all black people identify with those things and consider those things part of how we are. But with that being said, I look forward to the young talent in this film maturing and learning in the future producing films with better overall quality and more substance without relying on offensive stereotypes for humor. 5 out of 13. 
they didn't they didn't appreciate the potato salad with raisins. I yeah, I feel like that would add a a welcome sweetness. I don't like raisins in particular, but I also don't like potato salad, so you know what's really good at raisins is rice. You do that Afghani rice with mint and raisins and care little carrot slices in there. It's a good time. It's a good time. Anyways. Uh, yep, that's the blackening. That's the blackening. Uh still not sure what to make of that movie. Uh, rounding up the top 10, another top 10 movie for Disney here. They got four of them. Um, and that is The Boogeyman. $2.5 million. It's made $60 million worldwide, so there's some profitability for, for the mouse there. And uh, that'll be the follow-up, actually. Yeah. So that's, that's that. We on through it. We on through it. We on to some... In gaming news, um, I'll lead off this week with uh, the controversy that is AMD's exclusive PC partnership with uh, Starfield, uh, Bethesda, really, and for Starfield, uh, making it a sponsor's title. Uh, and because, hypothetically, DLSS might not be supported in Starfield, People are losing their shit, um, and they're blaming AMD's involvement for Jedi survivors' issues, which is just complete nonsense. So, first of all, let me make this very clear, my opinion on this. Um, if you are upset by this, go outside and touch some fucking grass, okay? Yeah. The only people who would be upset by this are either idiots or NVIDIA sycophants, which I don't know which is worse. Um, But NVIDIA's been doing this shit for years. PhysX, Gameworks, Ray Tracing, DLSS 2, and now DLSS 3, uh, CUDA, Optics. They've done this shit for years. And you know what? Here, let me let you in on a little secret, everyone here. Uh, FSR runs on <laughs> NVIDIA GPUs too. <laughs> it's not like DLSS where you need to have an NVIDIA GPU. FSR is supported on, I think, every GPU. I think it even runs on Intel. Just like Intel XESS runs on AMD NVIDIA. NVIDIA is the only one that does not allow its upscaling technology to run on other platforms. Now, some people might say that FSR looks like crap compared to DLSS. I don't think that's true. Does DLSS look better? Slightly, yeah. But um, you're upscaling. <laughs> like, if you don't if you don't want to deal with, oh, the upscaling looks bad, then run at a run set native. resolution. <laughs> and deal with the frame rate issues. Like, just fucking pull your head out of your ass and just fucking take a step back and realize that this literally means nothing to you. And uh, even on the PC Gamer article, fucking these people in the comments are just absolutely ridiculous. Let it go, guys. It the, First off, we don't even know if they're not going to allow DLSS implementation in here. Yeah. They've they've not allowed it in some recent sponsored titles, or it hasn't been in some sponsored titles is probably the uh, best way to put it, because we have no confirmation if they expressly forbade it or not. Um, <laughs> but just 
uh, weird that the most measured response came from r slash NVIDIA, which is full of the aforementioned sycophants, but they were actually pretty pretty reasonable about it, being like, yeah, I guess whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Which is how your attitude should be. Um, and I'll, I'll just throw in one more little piece of news here because Jake isn't here. The 4060 came out. Uh, it is trash. Don't buy it. Um, NVIDIA very clearly no longer cares about competing in the budget space there. Um, if you want card for like the last gen 6700 XT thoroughly outperforms the 4060, the 3060 Ti uh, also <laughs> matches the 4060 in most titles. And uh, the ARC A750, which now costs only $200 and has the same 8 gigs of VRAM, but with a full bandwidth memory bus. Um, and driver improvements are seeing huge gains on every day. Um, is only like 4% slower. Than the car that costs a hundred dollars more. So be smart, shopper. Don't don't buy this bullshit. Yep. Um, I know people might say, well, if you don't buy it, then Nvidia is gonna be like, oh, well, we're just not gonna bother making lower end GPUs. But that's already the case because this is not a legitimate release. No, it's it's some kind of fucking marketing thing. I saw, I did see a post the other day on like a gaming uh, forum. Where they were, I don't know what game they were talking about. It was one of the new releases. I think it might have been Starfield, and they they were seeing they were they were seeing the light. They were like, I, I want to pre-order this game, but after Cyberpunk and uh, so many other disappointments, I don't know if I you know if I really should be doing that. I'm like, good, <laughs> good. They're learning. <laughs> it took them a while, but they're learning. Buy, it. buy well, buy an actual fucking product, not a promise <laughs> like that. I know that's kind of become a slogan around here, but it's just sage advice. Like when you're pre-ordering, you're buying the marketing promises of the game, not the game itself. But if you wait for it to actually come out and see what it runs like, Mm -hmm. get the reviews, get the scoop, maybe wait for a patch or two, you'll know what you're buying because it's out there. It's in the ether. You can see it. (laughs) Yeah. And if you're trying... See if you're and if you're trying to like pre-order to avoid being scalped, like that doesn't happen anymore in the age of digital distribution. Yeah, just don't don't play that game. It's not a it's not a game where you ever win. Um, you should be looking. You should be instead looking for actual treasure. Um, with a couple of news stories here, both on the, that thematic vibe um, about people finding very specific items yep. um first one uh they found the original take of the wilhelm scream uh in a u.s uh, U- uh, unc i think uh or usc um usc would probably be more likely i don't think unc has a prestigious film program <laughs> yeah. certainly not not to usc's level um they found it in a um yeah, one of the in their film archives, 
from the original film it was on and the Kotaku Kotaku article being uh, on a website filled with crappy ads and things that broke my screen for a second there. <laughs> uh, I will need to look it back up to see what the original movie it was from. I believe it was... I know the take was from a dude who gets eaten by an alligator. Um, Wilhelm scream found... Well, at that point, it wasn't the Wilhelm scream. It was just it was just the well, scream. It said Wilhelm on the on the actual can. Well, I think the reason ah, it's yes. called the Wilhelm scream is because in the movie that popularized it, the guy who gets shot with the arrow is named Wilhelm, and he gets called. They're like Wilhelm, and he looks over and gets shot. And it's like ah! or however you do the scream. I can't um, really yes. replicate okay, it. So yeah, the movie was distant drums. Um, so they not only found the that take they also found alternate takes on that same reel or in the same archive <laughs> of different versions um so you can now we have we now have a variety of wilhelm screams to share <laughs> um which is lovely uh not so much on variety um by design the uh the one ring has been found uh, yeah, the one of one one ring has <laughs> now been found and graded. Um, I no one. I like no that grade out of nine, despite yeah. being fresh out of the pack. <laughs> yeah, first grade out of nine. Great job, wizards. Um, two, we don't know. That's where it surfaced in public. Uh, the public eye was. We don't know who the owner of the card graded and yeah. are you submitted to. Um, who was doing this? Oh, yeah. The game store that offered a million-dollar bounty on it uh, received a picture. Uh, obviously, they could see on Twitter, and they said that we're serious. We're still offering. But apparently, there are other game stores that might also be making competitive bids. I heard that there's some shop in Spain that offered $2 million. I don't know that they're going to be able to generate the liquidity for that transaction. Yeah. But... What the hell do I know? Um, um, all I know is this. whoever. Go ahead. I was gonna say the other the the knock on effect is that it has uh, with this being found it has dumped the value of collectors boxes. Um, yeah. Huge amounts because the the big prize has been found, and in a uh, set that has been middling in terms of value, maybe even a little on the low end. Um, and this is falling right after a secret layer drop, which was criticized by many for having particularly low value cards. Um, I don't care because I don't. One, I don't care about secret layers because I don't want to spend money on that. And two, I'm not a value hound who plays my card game like a stock market. Yeah. Nor nor should you be. Yeah. People were very mad that the. I mean, I, I will say there's the Ralph Bakshi. Uh, Bakshi secret layer, which um, had a combination of, which I, I can I can sympathize with this. Is that not necessarily the fact that the art the the cards in it were very low value, like commons and uncommons from the set that just released that they're selling for a secret layer price, um, but that also the art, which was supposed to be taken from the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings, were just like they look like bad screen grabs. <laughs> they just so they pull up the movie on YouTube, took a couple screenshots at the relevant points and pasted them onto 
Um, the cards with no no change in frame, nothing special other than the artwork. Um, so you can buy your 13 cent card in a secret layer drop with badly cropped yeah. art for uh, whatever, however many money. And that's well, right after like... you buy your um, your what is it like 35 dollar set of 10 mountains that have some special flavor text on them, written by like a dude from a band. Yeah, well, I mean that that to me is kind of like what the secret layer should be, right? Like it should be about like I don't have a problem with like a land series that's you know they're just basics with some judging up because like if you're into that, cool, go ahead spend your spend your money on that. I'm not gonna give you shit for it, but like when they put shitty cards. Like bulk rares, because pimping out lands is like a thing. That's like a rite of passage in the game, you know. Sure. Like people are like, "Oh, look at my alpha planes here." It's like I don't care. It's an old looking planes. <laughs> there are a lot of them in alpha. <laughs> yeah. Um. So like that's the same sort of line, but like when you charge fifty bucks for a secret layer and there's a thirteen cent bulk rare, it's like when they put oh, not even bulk fucking rare commons. Like, well, me... I'm just using that as an example. Okay. Like, when meteors... There are commons that are actually somewhat expensive. Uh, like, Oubliette was really expensive before it got its reprint, finally. But, um, you know, it's like when they put Meteor Storm or Comet Storm as a mythic in a master set. <laughs> yeah. Um... I have a problem with that sort of thing. Yep, so the thinking one more thing about the secret layer before we move on to our feature just the cards in it are um slip on the ring which <laughs> is a, a draft maybe uncommon i think mirror of gladriel gandalf friend of the shire and shire terrace shire terrace which they're all they all marked as rare obviously in this um but i do let me see what the, the rarities on these are just very quickly. Um, slip on the ring. That is, yep, that is a common. Uh, Gandalf, friend of the Shire, is an uncommon. Mirror of Galadriel is an uncommon. And Shire Terrace is. Come on. Uh, a common. So two, two commons and two uncommons. Um, with uh, not. I mean, one of them. Maybe one of them looked good. I like the Shire Terrace. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. The secret layers have seldom been good value. Yeah. For 30 bucks. But you know what is good value? <laughs> the production budget for Titanic 2. <laughs> Absolutely. That is um, the value. So I Googled Titanic 2 just to bring up the Wikipedia page so I could jog my memory of this thoroughly forget forgettable film. Yeah. Um, And I found out that Australian billionaire Clive Palmer is actually planning to build a Titanic 2. Oh, yeah. 
Although originally tend to construct, but I guess I, I'm skeptical that it will ever see fruition because this, this plan dates back to the year 2000. Okay. Um, let's see. The most recent update in April 2016, the administrators for Palmer's closed nickel refining company, Queensland Nickel alleged that almost 6 million had been taken from that company to pay for the development and marketing of the Titanic 2 at the time the administration indicated they would seek to recover this money. So probably not going to happen because the money is from defrauding other businesses. <laughs> and I, I'm not an Australian lawyer but I or a barrister, I guess. Um, but I have a, I have a feeling that's not going to fly. Uh, but I guess we can talk about this movie, Titanic 2, um, directed and starring Shane Van Dyke, who wrote uh, Don't Worry, Darling, and is the grandson of the legendary Dick Van Dyke. Oh, shit. I didn't realize. I, I thought I thought the name was a coincidence, and I thought he was... My thought was he was, like, the guy who does a lot of these. I thought was, so, too. Like, but this was just a, like a, a vanity project for him. I mean, it looks no. like he is in a bunch of these. Like he's in Super Shark, tran- you know, Transmorphers. Yeah, I'm sure he's he's an actor in a lot of these, but he's not like one of the uh, like founders of it. Um, you know, the Asylum is <laughs> like they've been around for a while, and um, uh, it was founded by director David Michael Lott. And former Village Roadshow executives David Rimawi Rimawi and Sherry Strain in 1997, and they 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 uh, produced originally straight to video horror movies, but found it difficult to compete with the likes of Lionsgate in that arena. Um, So they then pivoted to. making mockbusters which are movies with similar premises and titles to major studio releases that they released direct to video a couple days before the theatrical release of the movie in question that they're spoofing or tying into as they put it um and um, and the first example of this was in 2005 when they put out their low budget war of the worlds like two days before the Steven Spielberg adaptation uh, hit theaters. And they have, they have absolutely machine gunned out movies since then for every conceivable blockbuster franchise. And now they have sort of pivoted. They found maybe a little bit of new life. I was reading in a recent interview that their current kind of gig is um, they have been hired by Netflix and streaming companies to do the, the filling out of the back end of the catalogs. Yeah. They they are the ones producing the chaff that bolsters those numbers when they say we have X amount of titles. That's kind of where they exist now. Um, they've also dabbled in television. Uh, the sci-fi series Z Nation was uh, put out by the Asylum, um, mm-hmm. which is, I think, currently... No, it, it started in late 2014, and it ran for about five seasons drawing respectable 1.6 million views per episode um however they got into some legal trouble for that 
And in 2021, the asylum's executive, several of the asylum's executive producers, uh, including David Ramawai and David Michael Lott, Paul Bales, and Steve Graham, were placed on the Writers Guild of America West's strike slash unfair list for lack of payment on Z Nation residuals. <laughs> I wonder why. Um, yeah, but so that's, that's not the movie we watched today. Yeah. Uh, Titanic 2, as the thing about it is it belongs in a very specific um, ecosystem of movies, which are bad movies that are not camp. People talk about camp a lot in relation to this, in that this is not that. Um, yeah. The, you know, when people think of bad, really bad movies, they're either thinking of a pretty, like a flop blockbuster, or they're thinking of the the truly the true outliers the almost outsider cinema of things like to, the Tommy Wiseau filmography the Neil Breens of the world and yeah. this is not that no this is something altogether so it's kind of weird right I expected kind of like a Neil Breen level effort here but it's not it's like fairly professionally produced like it it looks like a movie. Not a good movie, not a movie that was made with any kind of money. It was like definitely shot on video, and it was definitely um, like super, super shoestring budget. Yeah, I mean the fact, the very fact that Shane Van Dyke is the director and writer and star is not a matter of I. It's less a matter of him being the one that they're like. He's like, I want to be a writer, director, actor. You know, I want to do all these things, and I feel part of it is. Hey, we're gonna save a bunch of money. Can you like do the? Can you sketch up like draft up the screenplay and do the directing? And there was no like. I feel like there wasn't as much of like a director on set. Yeah, I you feel know, like I all of these are. Sh- I get the impression that these, most of these movies are shot in like three weeks or less. Um, and it's just a big assembly line. It would almost have to be with the output that they, they have as a company. Um, but you know, you're kind of in trouble when Bruce Davidson, uh, famous for, um, being Senator Robert Kelly in the first two X-Men movies and, uh, a three episode stint as the director of the Susan, Susan Ross foundation in Seinfeld, <laughs> Yeah. When that's your star power, you know, you're a little bit of trouble. Yeah. And to be fair, um, he even he's probably good. Like on, he's I would say 30 percent of his acting skill. He's already like different. He He's easily differentiating himself from the other cast of this movie. Yes, he is a professional actor and he his performance um, is fine. I wouldn't call it good or stay. Well, I mean, it's standout amongst his peers in this movie but i'm not gonna it's not like i would say oh you have to go see bruce davidson in titanic 2 he was really good um but he was at least competent uh his his kind of plot line was kind of what gave the movie any sort of like plot yeah any <laughs> to sort justify of the motivation the um, action yeah, because this movie—it's uh, worth mentioning. What I guess we'll talk about it for what it's worth. But this movie has—it's—it falls into the static of my mind. 
let's put it that way. Um, the plot and the things that happen in this movie are so unimportant to the movie that I it's hard for me to remember what's going on, even as I'm watching it. Like, not it's not that it's complicated. It's just that there's nothing for my brain to stick on. It all just slides off. Um, and, you know, that's what this is one of the few things I remember is like, okay, Bruce Davison's character, he's he's he has a character and he has like a daughter and he has some motivation to save that daughter. Yeah. And he didn't want his daughter getting on the ship in the first place because it barely passed. There was actually quite a few <laughs> parallels between this and the Titan submersible <laughs> yes. at the beginning. Oh my God. Yeah, that was that was the very interesting thing about this was that some of the details of the premise were very similar to the 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 disaster that uh happened last week um and it was it was very funny too it's like this was topical we yeah we didn't it, waste we, our time on it um who could have predicted before we talk about it, anything else um no and like when we get into the plot here like it's pretty fredbear there's not a whole lot to discuss yeah i um, would say um it's not worth watching. Let me just no, go out yeah, of my way and say that. That should go without saying. Um, but on a broader spectrum or a broader picture, um, this is what I understand most asylum movies to be, like this this kind of film. Um, I would expect as much. That's the reason why we generally avoided these, is that you're not going to get anything outrageous or noteworthy out of these movies, even as watching it as a bad movie. Um, these are here to fill 90 minutes to, to meet minimum, minimum requirements for a movie to sit in the catalog, maybe improve SEO by having relevant keywords. Yeah. Um, and not meant to be watched. I do not believe these movies are meant to be watched. No, they're meant to be sold. Presumably they're watched by someone somewhere. Um, Right. Maybe there there are fans of the Asylum movies, but like, I've watched a lot of bad movies in my time. I consider myself something of an expert in the genre, mm-hmm. um, and there's there's different levels of bad movie, and right. this movie sits firmly in that level where there's n- not a whole lot that's laughably bad about it. Like the hardest thing I laughed at is like when they're doing some of the below deck shots that are clearly just a hotel hallway. Yeah. Um, like that sort of thing, like charming low budget sort of stuff like that can be somewhat amusing, but it's not like there's baffling directorial decisions like in any O'Brien movie. Um, you know, the acting is not good, but there are at least actors and actresses who can deliver lines mm-hmm. not well but they're they're sure delivering them and you know it just it it all comes together and it looks like someone who's made a movie before has made this movie and it's just kind of a product without any soul or character cuz how could you have soul or character in a movie that was probably made in a grand total of 12 weeks so they could get it out for the yeah. next six movies they had to make to try and avoid a food metaphor um this is not the main course this is not the side dish this is not even the condiments 
This is the cinematic equivalent of the cutlery pack that you get with your food. Yeah. In fact, although with the distinction that a cutlery pack is far more useful and practical. That that much is very true. Yeah. Um, with that being said, yeah, so I, I guess my final thoughts before we, I guess, talk quickly about what's in this is, yeah, don't watch this. Don't watch any Asylum movie. I don't, I think this should cover us in full unless we have a burning desire to see a particular Asylum movie. This, this should act as our blanket review of the Asylum. Yeah, and I mean, I know there are a lot of fans of Sharknado out there. Um, right. And that those was, movies, that was at least. Because it was its own, it had some unique, yeah. it had a little bit of originality. And they and they they leaned into it as more of like a a schlocky good time. I feel on that more so than these movies. That was actually another thing I read in the interview was that they had to kind of play it straight, um, because of the requirements of the contract. At least in the streaming era, they have to play their stuff straight because of the contract requirements or something like that. Creative control. Yeah. Um, and I did feel that in this. Like I feel like there is at least a, a desire under the surface to want to do tongue-in-cheek and want to at least yeah. make it, a you know, bring it that much further out into absurdity. But they didn't do that. It was that only it was only under the surface. Yep. With that being said, let's, let's, let's talk about what actually happens in this 90-minute strictly <laughs> cut back the time for the credits and the intro, and hold on to every shot as long as we can to fill out that that time so movie. Basically, nothing happens in the first forty-five minutes of this movie. No. Um, we're introduced to the characters. Well, um, we get a, a, I guess, a setup shot of a Arctic surfer getting drowned by a calving glacier. Oh, right, I suppose he that's does not. True. None of that. That serves only to set up the fact that a glacier. I almost, I almost forgot about that. Waves. Which is weird because that's like the most impressive thing about this movie is they actually got someone who can surf <laughs> and yes. like did a pickup shot. Can surf <laughs> and they got actors who can do stuff underwater because there were underwater scenes. Yeah. And that means you have to get, you have to rent the scuba gear, you have to get a waterproof camera, you have to get a waterproof room to do the scene in. There are a couple moments where I'm like, wow, that's a lot more effort than I expected them to put in but it's counterbalanced by some of the like locations and really bad green screen shots. Yeah. Um, shout out to Joe, Joe J Lawson, uh, the vision, the, the one visual effects guy, um, <laughs> on this, on this team. Uh, he was, cause it was him and, uh, two super, there were more supervisors for the VFX than where there were people doing the VFX. <laughs> and this is an era, this is 2010, so it wasn't quite the Vietnam War Memorial era of VFX <laughs> teams. Um, but let, I just want to see Joe Lawson. So, oh God, Man, has filled many roles as a filmmaker, director, writer, practical and digital, visual effects supervisor, and artist, storyboard artist, voiceover artist, and actor, as well as directing animated and live action productions. Good Lord, he is, it seems like the guy who's, he learned he must, it all on his own. And yeah, he must to, not like his haircut because he's got so many hats yeah um he he's got a very he has a lot of full head of hair for looking like 60 plus um but he def 
yeah, this guy is like good. That's that's probably why they hired him on to do the effects by himself for a whole movie because he was doing stuff on Star Trek, the motion picture, Lord of the Rings, Red Tails. Like he was in he was in the industry. Yeah, I'm sure he's like that's that's kind of like a hard thing to fake. Yeah. Um. Is and so a... the effects in this are without a doubt very shitty. Yes, but that's they... because you had one dude. <laughs> Dude. One dude and probably not a lot of money. So yeah. you couldn't pay him to do his best work. Kudos to you, Joe J. Lawson. I hope my free trial of literally con TV. <laughs> uh, Jake, you're going to have to unsubscribe from that in a week. Uh, or they're going to charge you five bucks. Um, but regardless, I hope my number gave you one cent to two cents toward a beer. You didn't watch this on Plex? <laughs> Uh, it didn't show up for me on Plex. Oh, it's on just like the general like Plex website, not my server. Like okay. regular as Plex for free, okay. along with Titanic. I, I, on, see, the I, on, I found it on like Pluto, and it was in Spanish. And I'm like, that's not a game I'm gonna. Play. There were ads. I will I will say that there were ads, but it, yeah, yeah, it just didn't show up. So I watched it on Prime Video through Con TV. Like it I wasn't see. available on Prime Video. I had. Like, you had to subscribe it through another right. service. So anyway, real Regardless. quick. Uh, we're introduced to our characters. Shane Van Dyke makes his entrance. Uh, with, and they're trying to... ladies in tow. Exactly yeah, they're trying to make demo. him up as a playboy. And he walks out of his helicopter with a bunch of women that... Not to be rude or in any way insinuate that their value is determined by their looks. But they are... They are rather average-looking women. Um, that are trying to be played off as right. babes. Um, and like he comes you know, out, and that's why I thought this was like a a vanity project. When the the, the guy who's the director, and it could be in the writer and the star, comes out, and he was the one who wrote himself being surrounded by beautiful women. Yeah. And wrote his character the way that he did to be, you know, the CEO of this big company, but also really heroic at the end. And yep. he makes makes big old big old self sacrifice. Um, and he's the one who's concerned about the ship because they haven't broken in the engines yet. So we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, yeah. So introduced to our admittedly small cast. Yeah. So we we meet. Uh, what's his name? Hayden. Uh, something like that. Um, let me see. So we got, yeah, Hayden Walsh. That's that's his character. And then we have our two, like, competing, like, yeah, main female weirds. Yeah, I mean, they're not, like, Amy, I think, is the one who had the previous romantic entanglement with uh, Hayden. And they're at least, like, uh more yes. involved by the end of the movie and and that's who uh fucking uh what's his name Bruce Davidson's daughter uh daughter yeah. is um so anyway he's up in Greenland with scientist lady who's like ah global warming hell of a thing right this glacier's collapsing and it's going to send a really fast wave <laughs> yeah and right where they're going, of course. The world, huge rogue waves <laughs> from calving glaciers. That's that's how that works. Giants, um, not it's just like tossing a, a stone into a pond. 
right? Because as you know, as the waves get out further, the energy only gets more concentrated. It's true. <laughs> they pick up speed as they go in perpetual motion, violating no laws of thermodynamics. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, no shit. The science of this was like wasn't on point. There are some things where I almost wanted to Google and be like, did they actually do research on this? Oh, of course I not. I don't care. I, I really do not care at this point. Um, so anyway, they, they radio the ship, and Hayden and his his right-hand men are are storming down this hotel hallway to their, their meeting room to take this call. And yeah. they're told that they have to uh, turn back around, and they're, they're hesitant to do so, but they got to outrun the wave because it would wreck their ship and throw glaciers at them and all sorts of shit. And he's like, well, we haven't stretched out the engines yet. The engines are built for speed. They'll be yeah. okay. They say, he says that the, the officer, whoever on the ship, says that a bunch of times in a row, and I'm like, that's not how engines work. <laughs> yes, they're all built for speed in <laughs> They're pro- you don't have to break in an engine like what the the denim on the fucking pistons is too stiff. I think I think what they're trying to say is that they haven't been like tested to work at max RPM or whatever. Right. But you got to like say that because the way words. you say said it doesn't make any fucking sense. And from this point forward, it becomes a very heavily discounted version of the Poseidon adventure. Uh, with all the classic tropes of boat sinking movie uh, thrown in there, yep. including the diving facility that has one oxygen tank and scuba suit. First off, why is there a diving facility on this ocean liner? Well, actually, let me rewind. First off, why are you designing your ocean liner to be like the fastest ship in the world? Like that seems yeah. Im- impractical. <laughs> um. And they designed it with like all safety features that they talk about in one line. And then they say, oh, we weren't prepared for anything else happening. And then the anything else happens. Um, yeah, eventually they get to the lifeboats, but they get another call from uh, from Bruce. Saying... Some Yeah, some notable things in here. Um, there's one angry dude who like gets in fights with people on the ship. Okay. They're trying to evacuate. Um, which, okay, that was funny. I liked him because they got, he, oh, fuck you. I'm going to kill you. Um, there was people get onto the lifeboats, which then are not safe for some reason, even though I'm pretty sure like, because a second wave is coming, Peter, and they'll be washed away. (laughs) Even though I could be wrong, but lifeboats in this modern day and age are big fucking tubes that are able to be capsized. If I if I know if I understand this correctly, like they can get tossed and turned and fucked up, because yeah, that's I all mean, they are built to do is to not they're, break. They're meant to survive in harsh even conditions. Even in the movie, like they look like submarines. They look like they're built to go underwater. Yeah, it's. Uh... But they say, yeah, you can't use lifeboats. And my immediate question was, all right, what the fuck are they supposed to do then? Well, that's not Apparently important the because the engines one. blow up. Yeah, <laughs> is find one diving locator and wait for your dad to pick you up by helicopter. Um, yeah. But and... not after they, they're caught in the diving situation and Shane Van Dyke says, you know what? It's Drowning is, a, is less of a big risk than hypothermia. 
when it's literally the exact opposite. <laughs> Plenty of people have been revived from hypothermia-induced like comas. It's very doable. Drowning, you lose oxygen a little more in your brain for 10 minutes, you are donezo. You lose oxygen in your brain for like 10 seconds. Yeah. You're not the same person anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's uh, he's, he makes a sacrifice and gives Amy the uh, the suit. They they share a kiss, and he's like, "Resuscitate me if I drown before we're rescued." Um, and then the the Arivac comes in. Uh, they can't revive him. Um, and then, and so Amy and an unknown number of <laughs> casualties. And then you know some some more helicopters fly into frame, and then the movie ends. Yep. Um, there is again. There's more stuff in here. I guess technically. Um, yeah, correct. We we summarized a ninety minute movie in about ten. So there's stuff we glossed over, but I I assure you, none of it is important, yeah. and none of it is very interesting. Yep, watch at your own peril. Um, it's again a lot of what we glossed over was uh, filler, not just yeah. like there's just talking about stuff and blabbing and bad. Bad, uh, I would say porn level acting. It's just very wooden. It um, is all, yeah. It's it's everything you would expect it to be uh, from this type of movie, where it is just we're trying to make a movie that hits a ninety minute runtime for contractual obligation wow. reasons, and we're just gonna. We don't have the money to do a lot of action. It's kind of like um, the old way, right? you know, that Nick Cage western where they desperately wanted to to give it a more action bend, but they just didn't have the money to shoot all those action scenes, so it was just a lot of talking. Yeah. And that's what this is, because talking's cheap. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad movie. And, you know, 12 Angry Men is a fantastic movie, and that movie is literally 100% dudes in a room talking. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this, yeah. Like, so I, I... The reason I'm talking about this as much as I still am is because, I don't know, I'm just struggling to say something so that I can justify the time that I spent watching this no it was a mistake we we made a mistake uh we should have watched the nazi movie and (laughs) (laughs) and that's just that's just the facts of life asylum movies a waste of time and you can put that on the goddamn box (laughs) yep um so yeah um but i just said for watching your own peril that's it we're if you are we got a holiday weekend to to enjoy that's true. I will say one last thing. If you somehow enjoyed this, if you've seen this movie and you've enjoyed it, you'll be tickled to know, I'm sure you already do, that uh, last year Titanic 666, a loose supernatural horror-themed sequel to this movie was released, and I f- believe that is the one where the ship rises back from the grave to terrorize a new generation of people. Um, but the Wikipedia, so few people have seen this movie that um, the <laughs> the Wikipedia article doesn't even have a plot summary. So, yeah. Um, well, that. with that, we're gonna go down and try and dredge up um, Jake. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna, hold we're gonna, we're gonna fish good. fish him off. We're gonna swim to the top real quick. Um, Bends don't don't exist. There are no bends. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye bye.